But now, for something very special. Now, in absence of a TV personality, we have the lovely Rena today, who is going to do an interview. So we're going to interview one of our special guests today. So we have Brian and Marge Niblock here with us today. I wonder if you just stand up and say, and wave at everybody. <laughs> Now, Brian and Marge are very special to David and myself. They were the senior leaders of TLC before we came, which is now seems a long time ago. Um, Brian made us do a sort of um, passing the baton thing on the day that we took over from them. And I always remember Marge's feet not touching the floor because he ran so fast around the building to pass the baton from them to David and myself. And it's been an amazing transition and we've walked together all the years, I think 14 years since then, Brian's still a trustee, he's still an elder, and we value and honor him very much. Marge is still like our secret weapon in terms of pastoral care. She whizzes around and sees all sorts of people and, and cares for many, many people in the life of TLC. So have a chat to Marge. If you've got any problems afterwards, she'll sort you out. Uh, but Rena, why don't you come and, and introduce Brian and, and you're just gonna help us get to know him a little bit better. Thank you. Okay, can you hear us? Okay. Well, good morning. And uh, so this is the lovely Brian. Um, he is very dear to Joseph and I because of Brian's call at TLC many years ago that we came to the Lord and um, he did our wedding ceremony and dedicated our first child. So um, as we broke bread this morning, it did sort of come back to me that it's because I wanted to break bread. I took the call and we did it independently but came to the Lord together so for me personally I just want to say thank you and thank you for coming and joining us today to share your story so we have a few questions I'll be gentle <laughs> he has seen the questions already so okay so Brian um, tell us a little about yourself and your family and how you came to faith it's a joy for me and Marge to be with you here today to be worshipping with you and just to be sharing in your service and uh, I look just forward to seeing what takes place over the coming months and years. Praise the Lord. So I've got a funny accent. So some of you are saying, where are you from? Well, I'm from New Zealand. I was born and educated in New Zealand. And uh, I qualified as a chartered accountant there. And uh, when I was, uh, I'd been praying for a couple of years before I came to England in 1967. Uh, just about ministry i felt sometimes before i was really saved wanted to go into ministry uh and just wanted to be clear from all new zealand things to come up to lovely england mother england as we call them down there and uh just to see where god took me and so i came in november 67 and uh <clears throat> the first week i was here i got saved i came to know jesus okay. and it was just below st paul's cathedral at an anglican church which had it outside which is quite incredible in 1967. Jesus Christ all saves, Jesus Christ all heals, Jesus Christ all baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And something said to me, go in there. So on the next Tuesday night prayer meeting, I went in there, small gathering, mainly of older ladies there with the vicar. And I think I was a young man there. So I, and at the end of the prayers, he said, anybody wants prayer, come forward. And I just jumped out and said, Lord, the shackles are off, take my life. And from there, I skipped home down to the tube and all the way home up to Chalk Farm where I was uh, 
had a room there in, uh, in, in a house up there. So uh, that's my time when I came to the Lord, 1967. <coughs> um, so how, that's how I came to faith. Uh, okay. How did your life change? <laughs> well, uh, when you come to know Jesus, your life does change because you have different aspects and a different outlook of life. And uh, I began to get involved in many things um, to do with the church. I wasn't pursuing necessarily uh, uh, an accountancy career anymore, although I was still an accountant, but I felt I wanted to, so I did Bible studies and went there, prayer meetings, open airs, etc. And then I took uh, two days uh, just to work and three days to study the Bible and also to pray in my uh, apartment at, uh, in York Farm. And uh, from there, God spoke to me. The word came out one, one morning as I was doing my devotions from John 15, verse 16. Boom, it came out. My heart began to race, began to sweat a little bit, and I felt that was, a, that was God calling me into ministry. I won't repeat that, but, uh, you know, you can read it, John 15, verse 16. That's great. That's, I'm glad you listened. Um, so how about telling us a bit about your family and the lovely Marge? Yeah. So we were married in London in October 1970. And uh, from there, we've had uh, three children who are all grown up, obviously, now. And uh, they have, uh, we have seven grandchildren as well. So uh, wow. we are really blessed by having them and the grandchildren as well. And, of course, they're starting off on their life journey now, really. Two of them are leaving home. Uh, some of the older ones, and then there's some younger ones with the younger, younger son we had as well. So uh, it, it's great. We enjoy our family life. Brilliant, thank you. How long ago did you come to Leicester? How did that come about? So, uh, Marge and I came to Leicester in 1983. Before that, uh, we, we went to Court of God to go up with home, home missions of the Assemblies of God, Home Missions Department, to plant a church up in Bangor in North Wales. And uh, we were there for eight years. But before we came away, for two years before that, uh, I was working as an accountant five days a week trying to pioneer this, this church as well. And I just felt everything, and with three young children, or two at that point, we had three coming down to Leicester, but uh, it was just uh, quite overwhelming in a sense of, of timescale. And so I uh, began to pray, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Do I stay here? Do I leave? And then after two years or thereabouts, in the office I was at, I got a phone call from uh, a pastor's wife down in Newtown and said, would you like to come? and uh, take over the pastorate at, uh, at the, her father's church who had retired at, uh, in, in Leicester. And so I just said, mm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and then I had to go back and tell Marge all about it, etc. and that was the journey. And so we came in March 83, and we've been here for 38 years, a long, long time. That's fantastic. I'm glad Marge said yes as well. <laughs> um, so Tell us some of the standout memories you've had over the past years while in Leicester. Yeah. Uh, number, number seven. Number seven. Just look at some of my points I made here. So when we first came here in 83, 84, uh, some of you may remember this uh, like I do. Mission England was going on with Billy Graham in Birmingham. So we got involved in that. We took a, a busload up there a, a couple of times. And... Uh, Got to know, because I was on a, a small committee about arranging various things, and I got to know a number of the uh, vicars and pastors and leaders of churches around, around the city. And so that developed, and we, from that, after the Mission England, we set up one of the two things, 
citywide, and obviously there was prayer times, there was uh, some teaching nights we had with different visitors coming as well. And so I got to know quite a few after that. Um, I think that's, that's one thing which I really enjoyed. Mm. Another thing was being involved in over 100 marriages over uh, some 25, 26 years and baptizing many believers. That was very moving to me. I love to see baptisms. Uh, just young, people, young and old people, their life, their short testimony or their testimony, sometimes they're long. <laughs> but when they come up and they're just smiling away, and it's just so wonderful to be involved in baptisms. And we've baptized many, many people over the year, which we are very grateful to God for. We also, in the 90s, mid-90s, we had a tent event in Leicester, uh, in five parks in Leicester, to reach the communities. Uh, and so we went into five different areas, where five different parks were, of course, to reach the communities. And uh, we, that was really exciting, and we had a great time. Very hard work, but uh, nonetheless very satisfying at the end to have been able to proclaim the gospel. Yeah. and uh, through, a, through a tent event in that way. Brilliant. Um, That's great. Thank you. I remember the tent events. Um, yeah. They were really good. Um, so talk about the time when you uh, transitioned leadership to Dave and Susan. We heard about the baton and the race. How did that happen? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so obviously, when I, uh, I've been praying, before I reached 65 years, I uh, was praying about who would take over the church, who, was, who would succeed, and uh, so I prayed for really about two years before that off and on <clears throat> and um, obviously shared it with the elders. Uh, I felt they needed to be involved as well. And uh, we, uh, we, we came to a decision that uh, there was nobody really we felt was uh, able to perhaps uh, take on the, the mantle of the, of the leadership of the church at that time. So we had to look outside, out, outside uh, our own church. And so um, I felt that what we needed to have was somebody, a young man and wife who would be uh, about 40 years of age, something there, so they could, what I call, run with the young people still, but also be able to minister and bless the older generation as well, you know, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, and so we needed somebody about that stage, and I felt we needed to go for somebody who was uh, like a number two or number three in a church, in the leadership uh, who could uh, had experience of a big who was in a bigger church than we were, and I had a friend in in, uh, in Nottingham called David Sherman, and he'd been there for many years. And David Hind and Susan Hind they attended that church. David was on the staff, mm. and he was the what called the executive pastor. I expect you could say in, in common terms he was the number two really. When David was away, he took over the charge of the church, and obviously did ex executed many things. Uh, while David was there as well. And so I went to see David. I didn't go to David Hind straight away. I went to David Sherman because the senior leader, and <clears throat> he was a friend of mine, didn't want to go behind his back, and said, um, in, in blunt terms, I didn't, didn't go, went go into all the details, but blunt terms, if you don't want David Hind, can we have him? <laughs> um, and so he said, leave it with me for three weeks, Brian, and I'll give you a ring. So three weeks later, I got a phone call, David Sherman here, um, you, can, you have permission to speak to David Hind. Oh. So from that, the journey began. So we met up and we met Susan as well. We had a Saturday with, uh, with them coming uh, to meet the elders as well. And one thing led to another and they, they, they had a, a time overseas before they came to us. They had been planned before that. So they came in September 2007 wow. 
and that's where we passed the baton. But uh, that's how it all came to pass. And uh, from there, we've been together for, was it 14 years, I think, something like that. That's really mm. good. Thank you. So um, what are some of the factors in this transition um, you know, made it so successful? Other factors? Mm. Some of, you know, that made it so successful, the handing of the baton and, and the race. Just let me see. Okay, back to the transition being successful. I think the, one of the things which, which uh, helped Marge and me, uh, David and Susan honoured us and uh, blessed us in that way uh, and honoured the past of the church, what had happened in the past. Also, uh, I remember this quite clearly. We had a chat, should I stay or go? I mean, should, I stay in, should we stay in TLC or should we leave? And he said, well, I'd like you to, to stay, you and Mars to stay with us. Um, but uh, he said, obviously, two things. He said, I have to have confidence in my ministry, and you have to be not a naughty old man. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you know, sometimes pastors who've given up the leadership, they sit at the back and they grumble and get grumpy and all the rest of it. I didn't want to be that at all. Even before he came, I didn't want to be a grumpy old man sitting at the back. You're never and, grumpy. And criticizing and uh, saying, oh, I don't agree with that. Oh, I can't stand that. Oh, and, and, and sowing seeds of discord. You know what I mean? Nothing like that at all. I mean, obviously, there may be things because of different personalities, different giftings. You don't agree completely with everything, but it doesn't lead you into sin. So I say, well, let's get on with it, okay? Let's get stuck in and do it. So um, <clears throat> David said uh, he did not want revolution, but he wanted evolution. Uh, in order to change the church, although a few things happened pretty quickly. But that was okay. That's all right. And, uh, you know, you just can't hold on indefinitely because you're, you're ready to go and to build yeah. the church. And, uh, <clears throat> but transition will always involve change. Transition will always involve change uh, because there's different gifts, different style of ministry, uh, different personality, different type way of preaching style, etc., uh, but you have to come to terms with that and look for a new day. Yeah. That's what we've got to do. That's what, what, what we did. Amen. Um, because you're no longer the lead pastor, and so uh, you don't have the final say anymore at all. Uh, so you just get stuck in. David Hind kindly uh, kept me on as an elder uh, and uh, also a trustee of the church, which I was when he came, and uh, we've continued to be that. Uh, at the moment, so that's where we're still doing it as well. I think that's quite exceptional. Most uh, pastors have to leave everything when they hand over the baton, but uh, we've been able to work together in that way quite well. Um, Brilliant. Thank you. I think the success of any church in transition, to me, is for us to see increase, not to see decrease. Uh, you know, increase in growth increase numerically as well, but also increase in, in establishing further growth of the kingdom of God. And I'd have to say that's taken place over the last 14 years. So much and I are very thrilled that the church hasn't gone out downhill, it's grown and increased. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Really great. Thank you, Brian. Um, you've always been passionate. You're doing good. You, you are always passionate about Leicester. So what are the dreams for the city of Leicester? Dreams. Yeah, your dreams. Yeah, uh, and over the church. And what? And over the church. And Dreams for us, and over the church. 
I think my, 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 my wonderful dream is to see what I call unity of the leaders of ministers in the, in the city and the county. Not that they all join together to be in one church, but obviously getting involved in their communities or parts of the city. And, uh, but being in unity, that there's a good relationship, there's a wholesomeness, yeah. there's a joy, and there's, and there's something which, which is good and wholesome and true, which the blessing of God come down. I believe when there's good relationship and unity amongst the leaders in any city, God will command a blessing. Amen. And the blessing Amen. of God will flow and increase. Yeah. And, you know, and it says life forevermore. You don't have to try and get life. You have life because God blesses through his life coming. Amen. And so I look for that. Obviously, I look for transformation of the city and the county and for the kingdom of God to have an impact on all areas of, of the society in the city of Leicester, Amen. the kingdom of God to come. Uh, but also to see the signs and wonders and miracles and healings, which I believe is part of the kingdom mandate. Yeah. This is the gospel of the kingdom, yes. Jesus said. And the gospel of the kingdom is also uh, with, with, with power and signs and miracles and healings. And so that's still the mandate, not in word only, but also in power. Amen. And the other thing was, word for your church. Is that right? Yes, please, yeah. Right. Yes. So, this is what I put down here. I want to say, for any church or anything in the world, you've, you've been through families, you've had children, you've got grandchildren, etc. We all grow. <laughs> we feed ourselves and we grow. I want to say, all healthy things grow. Yeah. All healthy things grow. So you need to have healthy churches and for them to grow. So I want to say to you, don't keep looking back to the good old days because any church has good old days if it's been around for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's, been, it's had some good old days, but you can't live in the good old days. You've got to move on and move forward for this day. Yeah. And things change. Generations change. You know, music changes. You've known that already. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I love the old hymns. Oh, well, I love the old hymns as well because, you know, I'm no longer a young man. I've got white hair, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, but you, things change and you've just, got to, you've just got to go with it. And, and you don't always perhaps like that because it's, it's not your, perhaps your DNA which you've been brought up. But, but you, want it, you see the blessing which comes to so many other people. So okay. uh, don't keep looking back. I want to say, let your despair turn into hope. Yes. Let your despair turn into hope. Yes. Let your hurts turn into peace, Amen. the peace of God to come. And begin to look upward to God and outward to people for better days. Amen. Because there are better days ahead. You can see this turnaround and, and better days to come. You know, the Lord is a wonderful restorer yeah. and is always wanting to... <coughs> to renew faith, restore lives, and revive his purpose for his church. Because Jesus loves the church. He, he died for the church. Yes. And so he's not going to leave it bereft. He wants it to grow and increase and be healthy and to have an impact of the kingdom of God in, in, in the community and city in which we live. Amen. And I want to say there will be singing once more and dancing once more in the house of the Lord. Amen. I've seen that here. Yeah. I've seen that here. It'll come again. The glory of the Lord will return and refreshing waters will flow, bringing life to many people you have as yet not seen. And just finally, I read in my Bible readings just uh, over this week in the last couple of days, two or three days, from the book of Ezekiel. Uh, 
It's just about the new temple, God's glory returning to the temple. I want to say we are now the temple of God. You and I, all of us, in Christ, by the Holy Spirit, are now the temple of God. And as we embrace the new day, let's move forward together with the various leaders helping us and see God's glory returning to the house of the Lord and bringing life and growth and increase with new people being added yes. as they embrace Christ and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes. Amen. Let it be. Amen. God Amen. bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. I think we, yeah, wonderful. We'll pray for Brian, don't we, and Marge, and thank you for walking with us. We, we love you both so much. Um, well, don't worry, I'm not going to preach a whole big message now on the back of that. That was 20, uh, 20 minutes, and I'm doing the 10 minutes now to, to finish it off, so you can breathe a sigh of relief. We'll get to our donuts soon, because we've brought donuts for you today. So, you know, don't say we never give, a, give you anything nice. Um, I'm wondering if I could possibly have the, the stand. Thank you. It just helps me not to, not to have to hold this. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, well, how wonderful is that? To know that transition can happen well and in an honoring way and that God has great plans for our city, doesn't he? He doesn't have plans to give Leicester to one church. You know that. He has plans to give Leicester to his bride, which is the one church, the big church, which is wonderful. So in TLC, we are finishing today a three-week series called Time, A Time to Heal. And I felt that because you haven't actually been a part of that series, because, you know, we only started this journey last Sunday, if any of you wanted to catch up on the TLC online service, it's, it's available on YouTube, um, on the TLC uh, YouTube channel, and you could just literally fast-forward, if you wanted, to the messages from the last three weeks because that is the time to heal. Because I feel still, even though you haven't been a part of that, that um, this is for you. This is, these are messages for you as well as for the rest of the church. The messages are based on Psalm 23, and the whole premise is encountering the good shepherd, encountering the shepherd uh, in Psalm 23. So I just thought I'd bring you 10 minutes, literally on verse number one. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I have all, or I have everything that I need. So I have all I need. And we just need to imagine King David back in the Old Testament writing this, remembering his many years, probably looking back at his years as a shepherd on the hills with his sheep, the bond he had with his sheep, thinking, well, I love my sheep. I cared for their every need. And I'm also a sheep. <laughs> And I, I need a shepherd, and the Lord is my shepherd. Hang on, we're going a bit ahead here, guys, so just, that's it. Lovely. So my shepherd is the Lord. So let's just read the psalm very quickly. And it would be great if you maybe use this as part of your devotions this week to look at this psalm and just think of what it's saying to you personally and what it might be saying to us as a church. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. What an amazing psalm. We've probably all heard it, or many of us have, at funerals and various other occasions. And I, I can't keep count of the number of times I've maybe read a verse from this psalm or, or spoken it over somebody in need or in a time of prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I have everything I need. I, I'm a list person. I don't know about you. Do you like lists? Sometimes I'm really sad. I even write something on the top of the list that I've already done just so I can tick it off. Does anybody else do that? <laughs> so days before a holiday, I've got piles of clothes. I've got piles of food that we're taking and just getting ready to go, having all that I need. I wonder, do you have all you need today? And I'm not talking about, have you brought the things you need in your handbag? You know, have you got your hankies or you... My mum always used to say to me, have you got a clean hanky, Susan? You know, we don't do that these days, do we? We have our Kleenex. Um, your makeup. Have you, you got your makeup with you? To, no, no. Um, water, loose change or whatever. I don't mean just those things. Not even your basic needs today, like food and water, but your deepest needs. Do you have everything you need today, deep down? Have you acknowledged, have we acknowledged that we need the good shepherd again? I feel it's time for us as a church to maybe let down our guard a little bit now and say, actually, we need, we really need the comfort of the shepherd. We really need him to lead us forward. We really need him and to actually express that as a whole church. The Bible's absolutely full of references to sheep and shepherds. In fact, there's over 500 of them. Sheep were massively important to the people of those days in the Middle East, and they also have many lessons for us as people. Um, I don't know if anybody's been watching, and I'm, I'm not recommending this series because it has some quite fruity language in it. And, uh, but has anybody been watching the series Clarkson's Farm on um, at Amazon? You may not, or you're all probably too spiritual. Um, but it, it is a very interesting program because it's basically Jeremy Clarkson taking over his family's massive farm and sort of managing it. And he makes all sorts of very rash and ridiculous decisions. I think it's probably all for the cameras, really. But one day he just thinks, I'll buy a flock of sheep because it would be great, they'll just keep this grass down and they'll mow my meadows for me. And so he does, but that turns out to be a very reckless move because it turns out that sheep are really challenging, that they like to escape and that they're very needy, they need a lot of care. And in the end, he has to hire a shepherd called Ellen who comes to look after his sheep because sheep need a shepherd. And that was even more true when King David wrote this psalm because there were no fences, there was no fields. Um, the shepherd would be a constant protector and companion for the sheep. He would be con constantly looking after them, taking them to pasture and water, protecting them. And I think we can relate to that, that we too are on a journey and we need our good shepherd to go with us, to go ahead of us, to lead the way, to do all the things that are written about in that wonderful psalm. So let's just realize today, I, I felt when I was preparing for this, I, I felt like Jesus showed me that he would be walking amongst us this morning, touching our lives, walking amongst us to bring what we need today. And all of us need maybe different things from him today. Some of us need comfort. Some of us need healing up inside or, or even physical healing. Some of us need just a, a fresh touch from him. Some of us are hungry and thirsty today. But in him we have everything we need. So the Lord is my shepherd. Well, we get compared to sheep quite a lot in the Bible. 
And I think we shouldn't be worried about that or, or feel offended by that, but sheep can be naughty. So the picture on the screen there, of, this is of Shrek. Shrek was a merino sheep from New Zealand. He was from where you come from, Brian. And he became famous in 2004 because for six years he, he evaded being shorn. So he, he went and hid in some caves and he wasn't short, so his, his fleece grew that big. And apparently when they actually did shear him on national TV, his fleece weighed 27 kilograms, which was enough wool to make suits for 20 large men. So sheep can be naughty and so can we. We can be wayward, can't we? We can be self-focused, do our own thing. Sheep follow the crowd. If one jumps over the wall, then they all jump over after it. And we can be like that too. We can be easily distracted, can't we? Easily led. Sheep feel sad, apparently, happy, bored, excited. And also for us, our feelings can alter and fluctuate, can't they? Sheep are helpless without a shepherd. They may look like all they need is a nice few blades of grass, but apparently they need more care than almost any other animal in the world. And so do we. We need to be understood. We need to be cared for. And that's why the Lord reveals himself to us through the Bible as our shepherd. And today I want us to take deep comfort in knowing that we are his. He is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. Maybe you could just say that to yourself. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. A shepherd buys his flock. He pays a price for the sheep. So they belong to him. He's responsible then for their care. Jesus has bought us with his own blood, with the ultimate price. He promises to care for us. He's marked us. He knows that we are his. Have you seen sheep with the mark on their back, maybe red or blue, a different mark of the farmer that they belong to, or maybe even a cut in their ear? Jesus calls us. He's marked us as well. And we can know today that we are his, that he knows that we are his. We know that we're safe and he's committed to care for us. So we can really say today, I will lack nothing. In other words, I have all that I need. When a, when a flock's restless, when a, a flock of sheep is restless, maybe I, I read a, a book, I've read a book recently preparing for this by Philip Keller. I don't know if you've read it. It's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's a really lovely little book. And it's basically a man who was a shepherd and he's going through Psalm 23 from his experience with sheep and, and actual sheep as a shepherd. And he talks about one day when a little chihuahua dog got let loose among his sheep and the absolute havoc that was caused by this tiny little dog and um, how they were so fearful and freaked out. And apparently it can make just something like that can make the ewes give birth prematurely and all sorts of things and they, they all get so scared. But apparently only the shepherd enables the sheep to lie down. You know, it says in Psalm 23, he makes me lie down. That's, that's definitely true of a shepherd with his sheep. Only he can make the sheep lie down, be at rest, be peaceful. When a shepherd comes into the field where a flock of sheep are, the sheep immediately will calm down. Only the shepherd enables the sheep to literally rest. Apparently, sheep can only rest if they're free from fear, if they're free from head bugs, the bugs that lay eggs in their ears and actually get into their brain, free from friction between them. Apparently, they have something called a butting order 
where they try and get to be top sheep and they sort of like fight each other to be the top one. And when they're not hungry and thirsty. But the shepherd meets all those needs. He calms their fears. He anoints their head. It talks in that psalm about anointing head. He anoints their head with oil. That is to get rid of the, the, the pests, get rid of the little bugs in their head. He enables them to live as a flock of sheep who are different, and yet they can live together in peace. And he feeds them, and he gives them fresh water to drink. So we can apply that, I think, can't we, to us individually and as a church. It doesn't take rocket science to say, you know, we also need our fears calming. We also need our heads anointing at times. Anybody got things that just bug you in your head, they keep you awake at night, or maybe they make you restless in the day? the things that keep coming back into your head and you just can't get rid of them. Only the presence of the shepherd can deal with those things in our lives. And he enables us to live as a flock, if you like, who are all different. And yet we can walk together if the good shepherd is amongst us. And he feeds them and gives them fresh water to drink. And he also can feed us and give us water to drink that is the good, the good stuff today if we are hungry, if we're thirsty. And when a sheep is unsure or they're wandering, the, the answer is in the arms of the shepherd. Philip Keller talks about a sheep called Mrs. Gadabout, one he named Mrs. Gadabout. And in most, most ways, she was a perfect, strong, healthy sheep. She gave birth to wonderful lambs. She was a great mother. She was healthy. But she had one great fault. She was restless. She was discontented. And she used to crawl around the edges of the field just looking for a way out, even though he prepared this wonderful lush grass for his sheep. She was a fence crawler. She was always looking for a gap in the hedge. She was always grazing on brown, thin grass beyond the, the field, even with the beautiful pastures that were left behind. Another sheep would follow her, and she would go, often go to dangerous spots, even down by the sea, because they lived by the seaside. And because sheep follow sheep, Mrs. Gadabout was a terrible influence in the flock. So sadly, I'm sad to tell you, and if anybody's vegetarian here, be very sad to tell you that actually she then had to become somebody's Sunday lunch because she was too bad an influence in the flock. And King David says here in this psalm, if we have the good shepherd, if the Lord is our shepherd, we have everything we need. Mrs. Gadabout didn't believe that. She tried to make her way out to something she thought looked better. And I wonder if any of us might be like that sometimes. Do we crawl to the edge of the field? Do we look at others and think the grass looks greener over there? But Jesus told a story in Luke 15, the good shepherd who goes after the one. We sing a song, don't we? He leaves the 99 and he came after me, the reckless love of God. Amazing. He came for Brian when Brian came over to England. He came for me when I was 14 and I was in an old, shabby little church schoolroom, not really knowing anything much about God, but knowing that I really wanted to know this God that my friends talked about. He came after the one. And if you've wandered today, if you were a sheep who's gone your own way, today Jesus is out looking for you. Today he's alert to hear your smallest cry. This morning, we may not have strength to say much. We may just want to say, well, help me. But he'll come running. And I did feel as we've been through this whole service, we have to. 
begin to, again, prepare. What Brian said about people coming to Jesus in this city, begin to prepare this house for those who will come in. Not from other churches, but people who come in who don't know Jesus yet. People who come in from local communities or people we will bring as friends. And we have to begin to prepare our services so we can bring our friends and invite our friends to come in and meet this Jesus. Just say help and he'll come running. And if anybody here doesn't yet know Jesus, please come and talk to us at the end because we would love to lead you into a relationship with the one who wants to be your good shepherd. So I wonder, is there anybody who could just come and play a little bit for me? Because I, I just wanted us to have a little time of prayer as we finish our service now. Before Henry comes and blesses us and before we go out and have time together and we have an opportunity to get to know each other better, I just want us to take a deep breath, to almost breathe in. I think we have to acknowledge this has been hard. The whole COVID thing, it's been hard for many of us. Yes, it's been harder for some in the world, in third world countries, challenges. But for us, it's been hard as well. Some of us have lost people over this last few years. Some of us have grieved alone or, or been to very small funerals. Some of us have had challenges in our families. Many of us have known loss of one type or another. And that's just personally. And as a church as well, I know you've walked through some very challenging times. And I know you've known some times of, of joy and consolation in the middle of that as well. And I know that God has been at work in that time. But we still have to acknowledge it's been hard. There's been hard, hard things about it. And the answer today is in the arms of the shepherd. And I wonder if it helps you to do something I just felt maybe we'll let, we need to do something if it helps you to literally come and stand in the middle here or to kneel down or to stand up or to lift your hands up I'm not going to tell you what to do just I would say do something if you want to respond and say Lord actually I know I need you to be my shepherd both today and I need you to be my shepherd going forward and we need him as a church he deals with the bugs in our head. He's here to deal with any friction. If you've got any issues in relationships, we can walk together as, as believers, even with differences between us, because we serve the same shepherd, we follow the same master. And if there's anybody with any fear, he's here to calm our fears today. Or maybe you're just saying, well, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. Let me come and drink. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I haven't got anything else planned. Just just like to encourage us I'm here already I'm standing at the front right now I'd like to encourage you just to open your heart right now open your yourself and say Lord you are my shepherd I have all I need and just bring him what you need tell him 
tell him what you need. brave if you really want him to touch you right now to come and minister to you just why not kneel down where you are or even come to the front come into this space 